What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the All-Star Comics Podcast, powered by Horizon Comics. I'm your host, Jonathan Cote, and joining me on the panel tonight are... Nathan Armantrout. Roger May. I'm busy. I'm just Johnny. <laughs> Producing, as always, is Matthew Lubick. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, we are a somewhat spoilery podcast. Uh, we tend to review a Marvel book, a DC book, and an independent book. Uh, so beware. We'll try to give you some spoiler warnings. And tonight is a slightly different format. We are not going to be reviewing a DC book on this episode. You will have to turn into the special crossover as episode between uh, Opinioneering and the All-Star Comics podcast that I've lovingly dubbed the All-Star Opinioneering uh, infinite crisis podcast crisis of no. doom whatever yeah Can't go three for three on <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so that's what it is so uh which will be on later tonight or tomorrow morning what's when's it getting loaded up after this one after this just sometime <laughs> after later uh so you'll have to pay attention for that that'll be our dc book for the night and it's a big one uh we're gonna probably maybe do some news and some previews i don't know everything's really ad hoc tonight so just bear with us uh so without further ado why don't you pitch us the independent book all right doomsday clock number one (laughs) no just kidding uh i am pitching from vertigo imaginary fiends by tim seeley art by stephen molnar uh it is the story of some beings that are both spectral from another dimension and alien. I'm not sure how that works exactly. Uh, but these are creatures that appear to a certain few um, and ask them to do crazy, crazy murders. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit like schizophrenia, but... Uh, but real. But possibly real. I don't know. Could be. Um, this book was a bit of a train wreck for me. It was... Uh, not just for you. Okay, yeah. The for me, I'm I'm all about dialogue. Uh, dialogue's got to be spot on, and this dialogue was just bad, 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 bad for me. Um, it had an interesting uh, opening. It had somewhat of a, a BKV kind of opening page where there's lots of blood and murder going on, but it wasn't enough to catch my interest. Uh, it's an interesting concept, but I just don't think it was executed very well. One of the things that that actually me and Johnny both said yes. and agree on yes. with this book is that um, this is a really crappy version of Clean Room because mm-hmm. uh, we reviewed volume one uh, what a couple of three, weeks ago four weeks ago uh, right. so, like around around Halloween I think I was on vacation when he was yeah. on vacation so um, we gave that book high marks uh, this is by Gail Simone and John Davis Hunt and high high marks really well done uh, um, this book just felt like a cheap knockoff of that so it was really hard to get into it. And I already have this weird thing with Tim Seeley where I get that people really like him. I'm not one of them. I've yet to read anything that he's written that really grabs me. Um, and I still haven't forgiven him for creating that god-awful villain for Nightwing named Raptor. I, I just I will resent that man to this day or, like, for yeah. forever. But um, I don't know. There, this was a tough book to get through. Yeah, I mean, I, agree. I mean, to be fair, the all the other books that we're reviewing today were really tough to get through because all I cared about was Doomsday Clock. <laughs> I know, same here. And so I just kind of went through the motions, like I <laughs> with with these books that I normally wouldn't go through because I was just wanting to reread Doomsday Clock. So, um, like with you, the, like what you said, I got to a certain point and I was like, I just don't care. Yeah, there's nothing in this that really hooks me and makes me want to come back for issue two so um 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Interesting concept, just poor execution. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I didn't really find it interesting. Like um, you said, it was kind of a mm, not a great version of Clean Room, uh, where instead of like uh, demons in Clean Room, she sees like imaginary friends um, or fiends. And to be honest, like the arts, uh, the arts beautiful, but it's kind of boring. It's not a great story. Um, it's like, okay. One of the thing, one of the highlights about like something like with Clean Room. Mm -hmm is the way that John Davis Hunt really made everything look super creepy. Like, Definitely. really creepy. Yeah. This this artist, I don't think, has the creepy factor nailed. You can tell they were shooting for it, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Just it, the imagery wasn't as disturbing and as jarring as the stuff, like when things got really weird and, and just... Yeah. Unsettling in clean room. So the, the art's really good. It's it, it's like, not bad, right? By any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not knocking I, the, the artist, but right for what they're going for, I don't think it fits like the maybe late in later issues it'll fit uh, more when you see I don't know gore, or blood, or whatever. But like right now, it just seems like oh, that's a spider lady. You know, it's yeah. kind the of spider lady spider was lady. pretty derivative too. Yeah. I thought of uh, Saga. I can't mm -hmm. even remember the the assassin's the name, the but stock. yeah, the stock. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, there, there was just a lot cheesy about it. Like I said, dialogue was cheesy, and then the and he one just threw a random f bomb in there. I think to get the mature rating because it was just like so. <laughs> it was like so out of place. Like it, it just came. Oh, out really? Of I didn't even know this was mature. It doesn't yeah. really feel. No, like it, it doesn't until you yeah. get to that one spot. So, yeah, it was just kind of meh. Yeah, honestly, it. Uh, Roger's reading it, reading through it right now. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of lazily like yeah, flipping pages. Like, okay. Like, mm. Like, yeah, it, it's not a bad comic. It's just, I feel like it's since we, comic. right, since we read, we also read Clean Room, it, we kind of seen it done better. You know, kind of like how uh, I said that I've read Court of Owls and I didn't like Gates of Gotham because I have a better story in Court of Owls to me. And, you know, just like that, I, if I wanted to read something creepy and something like that only one person can see because the main character uh, is the only one that can see these imaginary friends, right? Uh, just like in Clean Room, uh, there's only a certain amount of people that can see the these demons. And it feels almost exactly like that except this one's not very... You can tell this one's not uh, as structurally sound as Clean Room I, you was. Know what? I, I think the difference is, is I think Gail had been sitting on that right. idea for a long time and really like flushed out that whole world. I don't think Seeley, at least it doesn't feel like he could have, um, but it doesn't feel like Seeley like sat down and really thought about this world and the, this concept a lot. Right. And, so. you know, it's funny. They both came out of Vertigo. Um, yeah. But like. You can kind of clearly tell which That's one you need to read. That's another reason that made me think of Clean Room. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't even – I didn't even. It, it just felt familiar. And then I was like, oh, I read this before, but better. And then uh, when Roger told me, huh, Jonathan said the exact same thing, I was like, yeah, Jonathan and I are on it. We're well, emotionally today. synced. Today. Yes. Uh, I don't have Clean Room to compare it to, and it still sucks. You should, so. <laughs> <laughs> you should read Clean Room. Like, uh, that one's it's, really good. It's really good. Yeah. So, Roger, do you even give a crap about finishing this comic at this point? No. He <laughs> kind of did me a favor by picking this one first because I've been under the gun all day. And uh, I managed to finish the Spider-Man Deadpool. Um, and I was going to get later. around to this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I started reading it. I actually like the art. Yeah. Um, it's really good art. I, 
you know, I'll probably finish it. I think I trust Sealy enough to give it, you know, a second issue. Yeah, um, I don't. But I have to finish the first <laughs> to get there. So yeah, maybe but, save that decision until you finish the first one. Yeah, um, just flipping through it. I mean, you know, it's dialogue heavy. Um, there's a lot of art. The the spider creature. Yeah, yeah. a lot uh, of t- Polly. Um, Peach Pit. Polly. Polly. Peach, Peach Pit. Polly. Peach. Uh, right. Peach Pit. Peach Pit. Polly. I, gonna say I have else. a. I have a really. I was gonna call her Polly Pocket, but I think that was like a toy for. Yeah. Toy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, used to I have, have a really nasty habit of flipping to the end of the book and seeing what the destination is, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. and then to see whether or not I want to take that journey. I right. did. With, I did the same thing because I was like, "How many more pages do I have to sit through?" This? <laughs> yeah. I did it with Doomsday Clock too. <laughs> I didn't do and that. That's, yeah, well, that I was like, ooh, yeah, ooh. yeah. Jonathan was like analyzing it under a microscope. Doomsday Clock. He definitely was. Yeah. Um, I haven't finished that book. <laughs> See, this panel corresponds to this panel over here in Watchmen. <laughs> he was no, dead on too. Yeah. He no, was showing me that, and I was like, I, was I like, think okay, mind blown. With this book, Tim Silly did sell a book, but it was Clean Room, not this one. <laughs> mm. I, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll let you know. Uh, the art's engaging enough, yeah. so we'll see. But I'm not gonna write. I, I'm only like two pages in, so I'm not gonna rate it. But what you guys? What would you guys give it? Go ahead, Johnny. Two. I did not like it. Nathan, I'm torn between one and a half or two, but I'll say one and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. One and a half. Yeah. Like, the only thing I like the art. The only thing that's really good is the art in it. Yeah. And, like, and it's, and I don't want this to come off as a knock. It's just it. It's good, but it's not like what I really like all the time. So right. I just there's nothing for me in this book. No, I get so, it. Yeah. All right, Johnny, tell us about the Marvel book. Sure. We read um, Spider-Man versus Deadpool number twenty-four. Number twenty-four um, by um, Robbie Thompson and Chris Bacalo. 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 Um, if you want a generic Spider-Man Deadpool team up, pick up this book. It's boring though it's so, pretty it's Is yeah it? it's not great i love bachala's art bachala's good man. i think he's a guy that you have to the thing is you he, have to you have to read a bit of him yeah to, because it's so stylistic um i think i first caught on to him when he was doing some x-men a few years back and then he did the doctor strange and it's kind of, he's kind of got one of those styles that you have to calibrate to a little bit i think but now, I mean, he's one of my favorite artists because he's so uh, different, creative. Right. Don't get me wrong. The art's good. I feel like the way that he laid it out and the way that it's uh, the color palette is, it didn't yeah. really fit well to to tell a good story because I judge the art on how pretty it is and like how well it can tell the story mm-hmm. with like especially with like pages like this one that I'm showing you guys right now. It's a, I like the layout. It's a it, great it, layout. It's a great layout. But you see, like this grade kind of. It, it it makes it hard to see what's going on. The colors are really muted right. all the way through. The, the color palette's just really, like, dull. It reminds yeah. me of a really old color television way before your time, Johnny, <laughs> where the color really wasn't all that great, and it just... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, like you can see, like Deadpool is the most uh, colorful. He's in red, right? Yeah. But, but he's still muted. Yeah, his, colors, his kind of, colors are still muted. They're yeah. always like that. That's his yeah. colors that works with that. His artist is. Yeah. Every book is like that. Yeah, I think like the art where you can see a lot of detail that looks great, but then there are some panels where the characters are farther away, and there's just no detail at all, and mm-hmm. they just look like. 
glorified it, it, stick it kind, figures. Right. It kind of looks like a mess when uh, certain action sequences are happening like this, yeah. where I'm like, wait, I have to really focus on what's going on. And that's not a knock on his art style. That's a knock on his coloring. Yeah. Because it, they're the very colorists. muted and they're very not. I wouldn't say like the coloring is similar to like each uh, and every color, but it's kind of it's not dynamic. It doesn't. I feel like his coloring doesn't fit his style, which is my, weird. My my issue with this book is I feel like Bachala should be on something a lot more top tier than a Spider-Man team-up yeah. book with Deadpool. Like, don't get me wrong, the, the story was okay, it was serviceable, but like it was, there was nothing in there for me to engage with. I'm just going to be really honest right now. Every book is probably going to get dinged a lot lower than I normally would ding it, even for Marvel, because I read Doomsday Clock this Because you're biased. Right. <laughs> oh, not just because of the bias, because of Doomsday Clock specifically and how great Doomsday that book bias. Was. So, <laughs> well, using Doomsday Clock as a barometer, everybody, everything else is a one. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, don't give, don't spoil the next podcast. Come on, well, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe, um, I really like this book. Um, I'm, I'm actually on a roll with Marvel because I think I've read four yeah. consecutive really good books by them: Defenders. Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. Thor. Uh, Thor and, Did you read Doctor Strange? No. You should read Doctor Strange. Yeah, Ooh, sure. and Thanos that came out this today. week, I believe, today. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is really, Donny really Cates. good. Thanos, also Donny Thanos wins yes. part one. Okay. It's really good. Um, this one, Nathan and I were talking about this a little before. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bachala's art, so that was definitely a, a check plus for me um, with this book. But... Um, who was who was the writer? Robbie Thompson. Robbie Thompson, who's uh, um, who's actually doing a really good job on the other book that he's writing. I forgot. Uh, what was it? I'll get back to you guys. Hawkeye. <laughs> okay, I thought I thought he did a really good job with this one. I I was really entertained. The one thing that if if and I, I mean I'll knock it a, a little bit was I thought he he didn't know when to stop breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> right. He did it so much. Well, there were three summary pages also with yeah. Deadpool. Oh, I didn't read those because those were... Just, oh, wait. Oh, you're, just these pages? No, in the beginning. There's no, like that this? was a different... That was that was last week on Defenders. Wait, hang on. Let me see this. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were, Defenders yeah. last week, and that was really funny where... Uh, oh, was that Defenders? It was Defenders. Yeah, because oh, Deadpool started scratching out like right. Axel. I just, uh, yeah, put I just was thinking Deadpool. Deadpool, because so. yeah. I read it. I read it sometime last night or today. So, yeah. like, uh, I like Deadpool more than you do, Jonathan. I like Deadpool. Um, yeah. I I, what I don't like is when Marvel Marvel can't seem to find a balance with Deadpool. Right. It's either all or nothing. So it's like, hey, Deadpool, the movie's out and it was successful. So guess what? We're gonna have seven books with Deadpool. Yeah. In it. That was too much. Like, like he, he's he's good or. We're just not going to acknowledge him at all. But so I'm okay with Deadpool. I think he's funny when he's written well. Yeah. But it, it you got to find that balance. Yeah. yeah. The, the the thing that I, like how I rate Deadpool books is if it can make me you know laugh and make me like Deadpool. Uh, I think I chuckled at one of these uh, jokes where you know he's talking about Coulson and the TV and yeah the TV remark know. was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. But like the th this yeah <laughs> this wasn't that funny of a book uh honestly if you're looking for a good deadpool book go read uh the main deadpool series because that's actually pretty good i forgot is that still dugan it is yeah yeah that's it's it's good deadpool this isn't this good De also deadpool. might be a one-off from the creative team because i remember ed mcginnis was on art for on this for a while his art is great 
Yeah, but he so, doesn't stay on a book for too no. long. He usually does like six issues and then he's off for yeah. a while. He he was on it for a while, but I don't know if like that's what I'm saying. If that's the same team, and this is a one shot of a new team or like a Trinity type thing, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. The problem the problem I have with this book um is with, with Deadpool um, you know, breaking the wall uh, the fourth wall so often. You know what what. Robbie Thompson didn't realize is that if you have Deadpool breaking the fourth wall, then the other characters have to call him on it. They can't, you know, if he's in a book with somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's talking to somebody else, you know, at one point he tells Spider-Man, you, you were in a comic call, you know, with team up in the title. Don't you get it? And Pete should have been like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're out of your mind. Dude. I did, he, what? He, he did call him out, uh, like in, at, in the beginning, very beginning, a little bit. Yeah. But it wasn't like a hard, like full-on acknowledgement of what was going on. Right? Yeah. No. So, are there twenty-three other issues of there Spider-Man is. and yeah. Deadpool? Yeah. Are there really? Okay. It's. <laughs> are any of them any good? I know it's still a pretty popular book. I don't know. This is the first one I've read in the entire okay. series. I read the first two. I, I read the yeah. first one or two also. Yeah, they were just okay. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the art style. I love. I I really enjoy how different it is. It's just the muted colors. Like, imagine, like, this world being kind of technicolor and all of this, these bright colors. And you can see uh, Deadpool and Spider-Man being the only red blotches in the world. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty good. It'd be better to me. This is just, the coloring is muted, and I don't think I like it for this type of art style. Should we rate it? Yep. Do what's, it. Your, what's your reading? Uh, two. Okay. I'm... You know, I'm at four. I really enjoyed this book. I would knock it for for some of the writing choices, but I love the art hmm. uh, and was was entertained from start to finish. I liked uh, them pulling, you know, his mask off multiple the, times. Yeah, yeah, the villain's mask. A I few was times. so confused. That's so played out. <laughs> yeah. I was too when he was doing. It was such I a Scooby Doo like, moment. What is you know right? And uh, that played really well for me, even mm-hmm. though it's you know it's. You know, it's it, it's a tired old gag, but it it worked, and I didn't yeah. see it coming, and it made sense at the end. So I'd give it a four. Nathan, uh, I enjoyed it more than Imaginary Fiends, but not a lot more. So I'm gonna give it a two. I'll give it a three. Like there were some jokes that played. Um, I it, it's just one of those weird things where um, I compare a lot of the Deadpool stuff to to two writers. To Daniel Way, because he had that 60-issue run on Deadpool for like five years. Mm. And he really nailed the inner monologue with Deadpool really well with the three boxes. And then him talking to his inner monologue that really made you feel like Deadpool was crazy that I miss. Because right now it's a lot of like cartoon kind of And that's really the balance where you get, you you wonder whether he's crazy or whether he's a genius. (laughs) Um, So I really miss that. And then Rick Remender's Deadpool. I was just about to mention that. Where he, like, I think it was the tie-ins to, to uh, not Forever Evil, God. Um, That's DC. Um, Secret Invasion? No, No. Fear Itself. Fear Itself, right. When he was talking to the teddy bear? Yeah. That slayed me. Yeah. And Rick Remender, I don't think he's written Deadpool since then. Or no, he had him in X-Force. Yeah, X-Force. Sorry, yeah, he wrote him in X-Force. And he wrote him in Axis. Did he write him I in thought, Axis? Isn't yeah. that in that book, though? Isn't, is that where I'm thinking that, of it is? That it's not the fear? The, the teddy bears? Yeah. I think it's in Uncanny X-Force. I thought it was the tie-in to fear itself. Maybe that is, because I know he wrote Deadpool on, on something yeah. like that. Okay, so It's whatever. one of those. I mean, I read. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of them, and... Rick Remender's really weird, dark take on that kind of comedy with Deadpool played really well for yep. me. 
Right. And so see, that scene, that scene with the, the stuffed animals is like, that's what I associate, you know, I mean, exceptional Deadpool writing with yeah. and, and Rick Remender and yeah. Judge all others against that because i do i think that was yeah. brilliant yeah whether you know which book it came in i'll have to go yeah back i have to go check, back I, I yeah i remember he was in truly he great was, he was in that x-force run for a while i forgot about that no he had a great x-force run um which is but, weird for so and that's not to knock robbie thompson because i know robbie thompson goes for the lighter yeah stuff and whatnot but those are the two guys that i compare to deadpool writing right and so if it's not there and doesn't make me think of that then I'm like, eh. so it's not bad um, by any stretch. But if you want good Deadpool, Daniel Way's run, Rick Remender's X Force run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, what would you guys rather reviewed this week? And in place of what? I'm not prepared. Those are the books from last week. Uh oh, probably Amazing right. Spider Man. Thanos. I've read the last two four. issues and I loved them. So yeah, Thanos number four, Snot Girl. And I would have liked to have checked out Thanos, see what Donny Cates is going to do. Is it number four? I just I don't know. I think it's number I think four. It's fourteen. Yeah, yeah, fourteen, 14. sounds right. Right, there's a four in there. Yeah, um, and then for for the independent book, I don't even know what's out for indie tomorrow. Only Snot Girl. I think there was Rat Queens. Yeah. Rat Queens. Power was out. I would I would have read Rat Queens or Snot Girl because I've never read Snot Girl and I think we should review it at some point. Yeah, time. I'm pretty sure Thanos is next week, not last week. This week. Thanos is this week. Last week. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do something week. from Dang next it, you're week. Right. Okay. That's not, that's not how that works. Wait. Good yeah, job, no. Johnny. I know Tuesday's throwing everything off, but. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you just melted his brain. Right. No, these books, these books come out tomorrow yeah. along yes. with Thanos. Thanos is out tomorrow. I bagged it up this morning. Oh, damn it. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> No, right, because that's usually, why Johnny was right. like freaking no, out. Because oh. usually the books on Sorry. the wall know it's Amazing Spider-Man that came out last week and not this week. And <laughs> okay, now my mind is melted because why every, everybody to looks me? to the wall. I know, you know, and it's it's got all last week's books. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh man, that was great. Uh, there's a series, uh, an image series called Angelic right now. It's like on issue three, I think, came out. Yeah, or comes out tomorrow. I'm really digging it. So. I would, I would have swapped out. Yeah. It's a. Uh, oh, man. Now you're going to kill me. I'll it's look like, it up. It's like Wingard or something. So I can't it, remember it's, it's nobody established. It's no, like, it's not an established thing. I don't. At least like a, I didn't at least recognize a big it. Name image, that we you said? Know. Uh, what, it's an image book. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a post apocalyptic sort of thing where all the humans are gone and the animals that were like. Uh, cyborged a little bit are the ones that have survived and they can talk and they have this really interesting speech patterns each yeah. animal talks in a different speech pattern and it's pretty interesting it's by <laughs> simon spurrier spurrier spurrier's and, and what's the out. artist uh casper win that's we w-i-j-n-g-a-a-r-d yeah wingard that's what i was thinking yingard yeah. i don't know uh, it's pretty interesting it's the third issue i'm enjoying it so far that's cool. Okay. Oh, now I got to go back and order more of that. <laughs> um. Oh God, yeah, I don't even. Doomsday clock's the only thing that matters. Let's just be honest. Um. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, trivia time. Right. No. No. <laughs> no. We don't have no. trivia. Oh man, God, this abbreviated episode is killing me. <laughs> I have. Let's go to the winners from last week. Okay. Uh. Who's who's? I uh, will figure out something for trivia. Okay, 
for last week. I, th- I thank you guys. Every time I beg you, you really come through for me, and it's awesome. Um, we had uh, quite a number of responses to the, the question. The question was, Johnny... Right. So um, Batman was a pirate uh, in the Victorian era. What else world story was that? Leatherwing. Yes. Batman Leatherwing. I win. Okay. So the winners last week uh, for the trade paperback, David Revis. Congratulations. That is the... The nail, right? Uh, was it the nail? I think it was did the we nail. Do the nail? Yeah. It was the nail. It, it was the uh, Elseworlds stories. The nail. Right. So congratulations. Hardcover. Um, you know what's really funny about that, and I just realized it. David Revis had pulled that, and we hadn't got enough in, so it was coming back in. And after he heard our review, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll pass." <laughs> <laughs> David, you get it anyway. <laughs> but now, now you get to read another nail too, right. which could possibly save it, right? Well, and and then hopefully. tell me whether or not uh, it's whether or not worth I reading. Go back and read it. Okay, so David Revis, uh, congratulations on on winning the nail. The winner of the comics, uh, first time winner, Wendell Patterson. I Wendell! think it's a first time winner. Yeah, because right? this, like, yeah, okay. this is like one of the What up, Wendell? Seasons. Wendell gets the comics, and oh, yeah, they were good. Yeah, Thor, Invincible, and. and oh, Pirate Princess, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, he and, liked No, it was, it, was some, it was something no, else. No, not Princeless. No, because yeah, I can't remember what it was. That was the, yeah. the, the DC book. Last week. Batman who laughs. Batman who laughs. Batman who laughs. And yeah. Princeless. When I don't think Wendell's gonna want Princeless. No, he liked um what was that uh that future story about the he girl might. that he, he Rocket Girl. Rocket Girl, yeah, yes. That was really dumb. No, that was a really yeah. great book. No, it yeah. Wasn't. <laughs> it was we're just not gonna ever agree on that, Johnny. <laughs> to, to each their own. Right. Yeah. Okay. Princeless was great. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. What do you guys think about uh trivia for this week? We've got We've got a three-volume hardcover set of sweet. We need tooth. to make it worth. To, I know. Super hard. Answer like two or three questions correctly. <laughs> I, you know, I, and and we can we we might have to think about this for a second so we can skip doing trivia amongst ourselves if we We're need. Great to. on time too. So. Yeah, Nathan Nathan had an idea for a trivia question that's ungoogleable. Which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Which means you might have to hit up your friends who have read this book. Should we make it something as epically hard as that question? It should be on I, Google. If you're going to win three hardcover volumes, yeah. you, you have to work, right? You have to earn it. They're like, yes, you're you're winning it, but you you got to earn then, that win. Who is going to? Yeah, who's going to yeah, send yeah. in? You know? yeah. But oh, whatever the question is, you guys need to answer it because this is a fantastic giveaway. Yes. Or do you make it's, it yeah. so easy that everyone can enter? Well, like, what is your first name? <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. I just. <laughs> You always do this, Because then, like, the more people that enter, it's because of the random number generator. So your chances of winning are low. Still, more. This people is enter, true. You know, it's true. So should we make it something ridiculous? Sure. What's Deadpool's first name? <laughs> what? What's Deadpool's first name? No, it has to relate. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Does it really? Let's do. Uh, let's do a two part. Let's 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 do both. Like you can answer an easy and a hard. An easy and a hard. Ooh. How both. about yeah. how about if you answer the hard question, you get two entries to win. Oh. There we and go. And the easy nice. question, you, just nice. get, you one. get one. What if you answer both? That's three. Then it's three. Yeah. That's three. <laughs> That's pretty simple math. You can even for you, Johnny. You can answer both questions. <laughs> <laughs>
I like the sound Johnny, of that. Johnny, no, yeah. waving takes all five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, what's a simple question? Who wrote Sweet Tooth? And no, color, that's and, too simple. And drew most of it. <laughs> I, I got one. Okay. okay. You want me to do it? Yeah, okay, Nathan, simple question. What was Jeff Lemire's first career choice before he decided to oh. write comic books? Oh. That's the easy that, one. Oh, oh, I thought I thought you were gonna you were going down the line of what was his first foray into comics, but and Jeff Lemire's one, first first job. career yeah. choice career. before deciding to go into this comic is books. not he, a, this is not an answer. I have no idea what the answer is, but I would almost say professional hockey player. Yeah, no, that's not <laughs> it. But any bio of but him, you should be able the to Toronto find Maple this. Leafs. Wikipedia. Yeah, 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 that you sh- that one's it's Googleable. Okay, so. If, uh, if 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 you can Google the answer to or know uh, what Jeff Lemire's first career choice was prior to uh, becoming uh, a comics, comics legend superstar, yes, um, send your response to uh, contact at allstarcomicspodcast dot com. If you want to get two entries next week, and and my eternal admiration for going that that extra mile, Nathan, go ahead. Uh, what is the number on Sweet Tooth or Gus, his ear tag when he's in the preserve? Ooh. You would have yeah. had to have read Sweet Tooth. I, I tried to, to Google know. this and it, it yes. I could not find it. Right. So in, in the story, uh Gus uh you know gets captured and he has a little tag on his ear. There is a specific number named uh you know, send us that number, and you got two entries. So you guys, you guys need to get out there, visit your local comic shop, and visit your visit your Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ooh, that's a good idea. <laughs> this is like a ninety dollar prize, and it's well worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, ID plus tax. Yeah. So one entry if you know Jeff Lemire's first career choice. Two entries if you can give us the number on Gus's ear tag. Um. Send your responses to contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. Nathan, thank you. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. There you go. Well, technically pizza dinner for us. I um, want more pizza. Yeah. Oh, wait. I have to pitch this. Um, so if if uh, you guys didn't hear our podcast from, what was it, back in like, September, October? Yeah, like two months ago. Two yeah, months right ago, now. we reviewed... We reviewed volume one of this. Um, it is kind of a uh, post-apocalyptic. Something has killed off a lot of people and uh, in this world. And the children that have been born since this particular date have all been kind of like these animal hybrid kids. And there's a special one named Gus, um, who is the titular character Sweet Tooth. And he meets up with a uh, very angry... Uh, older guy named Jeopard. Right. And it's kind of their journey um, as they go. So um, once you get to the end of this, it's 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 a pretty epic journey. Yeah, I was literally screaming while reading. I was like, no, why? Uh, August 30th is when we reviewed Sweet Tooth Volume 1. Oh, we did it all the way back in August? Yeah. So three months ago. <laughs> well, I feel like that Basically, long. the, the end beginning. Of Today yeah. is the 21st. Shout out to my mom. Happy birthday. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, it's by Jeff Lemire uh, for the for the most part. Jeff right. Lemire writes and um, illustrates it. I, yeah, I guess that's the proper term, illustrates, because I don't think you can say penciled because it's like watercolors and right. stuff like that. Yeah. Well, um, it's still penciled and inked, but then the colors are yeah, watercolors. Yeah, watercolor. 
And then, um, and then uh, briefly in, I don't know what volume or remember, I think it was halfway through, uh, Matt Kent actually does some art. Volume three, issues one through three. Okay. So the first half of volume three. Yes. Uh, so Taxidermy. Matt Kent, Matt Kent does a, a little bit of some illustration, but there's a specific reason for that. Yeah. Um, that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, Na- the reason that we're doing this is because Nathan wanted to review volume one when he was on the show last. And we all got to the end of volume one. And it was just such a ugh, yeah, like we need to know more. We moment, wanted and it. I had read everything well, up to that point, right? And I think you were kind of like, "Oh man, they'll do the next issue," and I'm yeah. like, I, "I need to read this. I need to continue it." Yeah. So, so we decided like then that we were going to go all the way through and do a collective review of the series. So Nathan, let's start with you because you're 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 a Jeff Lemire fan. Yes. Majorly, I'm a Jeff Lemire fan. I think everybody here really likes Jeff <clears throat> Lemire. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, if you're not a Jeff Lemire fan, you should be. Yeah. So. Uh, I love this beginning to end. One of the, the things that really stood out to me in reading not only the book, but then his, like, post-interviews and stuff like that, is the beginning and the end of this story were known from the start. The, the middle took some different turns that maybe he hadn't planned on at the beginning, but he always knew where this story was going. And I, that's something that I think is missing in a lot of comic book storytelling is there a lot of people write books that they hope catch on so then they can keep them going for a while. And, and this, he had a story to tell, and he told that story. Um, I know it's kind of similar one of my other favorite comic books, uh, Chew, with John Lehman. Mm-hmm. He always knew the first issue and the last issue were written when he started the thing. Mm. You know, the middle, you know, was up for editing along the way. You're talking about Chew? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because he, he drunkenly pitched the, the idea to Rob Guillory when he first started that. And it was originally only supposed to be 24 issues. So like a two-year run. And it, it turned into a five-year run. Yeah. So I love that up, book so much. He, he ended up too. putting like, you know an extra 24 issues into it. So good. But yeah, again, the beginning and the end being known. And it really shows in this book. Like he, he had a story he wanted to tell and it's, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, dude. It's like, it got me invested in a character that was, uh, you know, in the last half of the third volume in that bird hybrid. And I was, you know, when that, thing happened yeah when that thing happened i was like no i like literally screamed and kind of scared some people that were in the house with me (laughs) um it's uh, this book will get you invested man it it's beautiful from beginning to end um in the beginning of the third volume when uh, before we get there let's let's pick it up from from the second volume because Um, that's where, uh, you know, I, I teased everybody and, and was like, yeah, the next stuff, you know, cause it, we left so off the with the mystery issue. of the bag. Yeah. What was oh, in yeah. the bag. Yeah. Jeopard. Gus, Gus ba- uh, not so Gus, good. I'm sorry. Jeopard basically forsakes Gus to this, you know. Preserve. Preserve, which is like. A military uh, testing facility. Yeah, that's capturing all these hybrid kids and trying to figure, trying out, to figure out why they're immune Right. to what's going on. Yeah, right. and like all the wrong ways by like killing them and opening them up. They're not nice just, people. Yeah, it's just... And so the the final issue of uh, the first volume is them tossing Jeopard this bag that you assume is full bag. of cash yeah. and him turning over Gus after you, th- you know, after Gus implicitly trusts yeah. Mr. Jeopard, Mr. Jeopard as he calls Should him. Should we tell people what's in the bag? 
I think we should. Well, you, you, you know, John actually say was, already spoiled it on the last did one. I? So, yeah, yeah, you did. Oh, did so, <laughs> you know, here's the that thing. sounds about right. Yeah, so I knew what was in the bag going into it, but still, when the contents were revealed, it was still a it's heartbreaking. Punch in it's the heartbreaking. Well, and then you, still yeah, a punch you get it why he did what he did. Right, yeah. yeah. I think we could just say, like, it was. it's very important to Jeopard, you know? It's right. not money. Right. Like, yeah. it's, think, it's, you think basically for a second he's a scumbag. Yeah. And he's not. He's, yeah. Yeah. You know, as emotionally powerful as the ending of the first volume was, like it was amazing. Like Lemire can manipulate some emotions, yeah. like nobody. Yeah. But oh, it made then, me hate Shepard. Like, but then what that are you doing? issue seven, the yeah. issue that followed up. So the first issue of the next volume was intense. Like yeah. there, there. I I was talking to Roger about this. I call it like the shoulder slump moments, mm. where you just kind of read what's there and then your shoulders just drop. Like, oh. And there's this panel at the end of issue seven where it shows where Jeopard started and then where Jeopard is His now. His backstory. Those two pages. Oh, and it's just He's, it's okay. a punch in the gut. So I don't know if I said it on the last podcast, but uh, in this story, like obviously uh, you're supposed to like Gus and, and he's likable and whatnot. But Jeopard's my favorite character out of this whole thing yeah. because of how uh, in-depth and real that guy feels. In this story, and yeah. and Lemire has like such a way of telling you like who he is, like where he where he starts, where who he is when you meet him, and then how he ends up at the end of this story. Yeah, it, it's just yeah. You yeah. Can, well, I think that everybody can relate to Gus in a sense because Gus is is the epitome of naivete and innocence. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and everybody can look back to their childhood. To a time when when they were that way, and I think that for me, Jeopard kind of represents what we represents what we all want to be. In the end, you know, experienced, grizzled, capable, not you know, uh, nobody's full, mm-hmm. you know, but still, uh, will do the right thing in the end, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, someone who's capable, even with all that they've been through, someone who is capable of doing the right thing when it matters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It, it just, like, this whole uh, whole series is just, uh, you know, about Gus, um, you know, uh, trying to make it in, in, this, in this world where everybody's looking for these type of people, these hybrids. But it also shows Jeopard's story of how much he has struggled throughout, you know, this... Uh, this whole uh, time that a disease has been spread and it's all the way up until the, the, the very end that he's still fighting because he has something to fight for. Like before it was for that bag that he had. And then later he realizes like, dang it, I care about this kid. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I just want to make sure that he's safe. And, you know, he, all the way to the end, he makes sure that he's safe. He always has uh, just a little bit, but always has motivation for uh to do what he does you know whether it's gus whether it's lucy where whether it's a buddy uh it's just it shows the saga of the big man uh you know jeopard and how he what kind of character he is even though he's mean and and you know uh grizzly and and kind of very tough he still has this softer side he's a freaking hockey player man. right <laughs> like i i loved that yeah. like part of his backstory so. yeah well, that's why like when he met up i know this is this is later but uh, when he meets up with the other hockey player, yeah, the other captain, he's like, "I know you from somewhere. Yeah. Where yeah. do I know you from?" You know, he's thinking it's from the militia or whatever. And he's like, "Oh no, you're you were you know 
Jeopardy. Yeah. We played you, man. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. fought in game six or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. He yeah. immediately yeah. enticed like, him. Letting him go. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that was that was such a great scene. Yeah. yeah. And those guys, and it was really funny because those guys had thrown down on the ice. Yeah. You know, and, you know, b- before the, the apocalypse. And now it was like that bond. I think that that hockey gave both of them, and they had an understanding of each other. They fought. They had each other's back. Yeah, you know. After that, they were like it most was, hockey enforcers was, are like that too. That was a really really Hothies? cool moment for me. Yeah. No, like there's like a mutual respect. Right. Like you understand the other guy's role for his right. team. Yeah. Like, like I'm gonna kick your ass. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna kick it's your ass, job. but we're gonna get a beer later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you said something earlier before we started recording about um. Uh, the the story arc that you like with the redemptive of the fa- the mm-hmm. redemption of the father figure right I wanna, yeah. go ahead and talk a little about you know kind of how you saw that <clears throat> right yeah so everybody's got daddy issues right <laughs> some more oh, than others oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love stories that show the redemption of the father figure. Uh, we talked a little bit about Wes Anderson movies. I don't know if anybody's familiar, but that's a common thread running through his movies is a father who's made bad choices redeeming himself in some way, one way or another. And that's that's really the underlying story here. You've got the post-apocalyptic thing. You've got the virus, which ultimately isn't the story. The story is... Gus and Jeopard. And really the big thing you see through this is Jeopard redeeming himself. Yeah. Like he he's made bad choices. He's done bad things, most of them for the right reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the right reason is the right thing to say, but for a good understandable. an understandable reason. There you go. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um but it's the idea that he made a huge mistake in selling out Gus. Yeah. And this is the story of him redeeming himself. Right. It, and, yeah, and it's it, such a great thing to see. It's not the story about, like you said, it's not the story about the plague. And that's why it kind of reminds me a little bit of Why the Last Man, where, you know, uh, a, a disease killed all the men in the, in that book except for one person. Um, but the story is not about the disease. It's about these people that are uh, struggling right. with the world after uh, the disease. And, man, it's just... It's probably one of the best books I've read in a long time because it, it shows uh, all the characters are unique. They all probably did something bad to survive, but um, the, the one, the ones that are in Gus's group, they're all inherently good. They're they're trying to do the right thing, even though sometimes they kind of mess up with uh, the the doctor, Doctor uh, Singh, was Singh, it? Yeah. Right, like he did did some messed up things, but later on especially by the end of the book you kind of feel like okay well he's kind of trying to redeem himself because this is what he was meant to do yeah help them teach them you know and i think like almost every uh almost every character if not every character in there has um the good guys at least has a motivation to be good whether it's johnny whether it's lucy whether it's becky whether it's um they're all fleshed out and different characters and unique and i i love jeff lemire's writing style because it's it's just a testament that uh, of what he can do with all these characters. They're all unique. They're not alike. Right. I want to. Yeah. I want to come back to to sing in a little bit. But uh, Nathan, to follow up on on your daddy issues comment, <laughs> I think I think some of the hardest pages for me to read in this book were with Bobby. Mm-hmm. And oh my God. Okay. So Jeopard's wife. No, yeah, the, the, the sheep, sheep boy. boy. Jeopard's son. Oh, buddy. 
Buddy. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Bobby, yeah. Bobby was Bobby's the, the Bobby's the gopher. gopher. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Uh, buddy. That sounds weird, right? Buddy. Yeah. Bobby the right. gopher. <laughs> I know. Buddy the, the sheep. Gopher. Yeah. Oh, well, that was that was one of the funniest moments was when, and, and it's still heartbreaking at the same time, if, if that's possible, was when uh, when Bobby was, he needed to hibernate. Right. And he was yeah. so sleepy, but he had to. He had to go off and, you know, and help his friends. Yeah. He's like, Bobby's so tired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I know to you guys this book is going to sound really crazy, and it and it, it is, is. But it's, but it's, awesome. it's one of the most heartwarming and uh, redemptive books you'll you'll ever read. I also, mean, it's gut-wrenching. Just cra- and, right. Yeah, gut-wrenching. Yeah. But um, between Jeopard and, and Buddy, okay, so Jeopard had um, his wife – was pregnant when the apocalypse hit. And one of the things in the apocalypse is that um, uh, after you know, any pregnant women, any any woman who became pregnant after the apocalypse or the, the, the virus, hit, right. they would give birth to hybrid children. And right. it could be any animal, whether bird, uh, mammal, <laughs> whatever. Right, Cro- reptile, like little crocodiles yeah. and stuff like that. Um so, and I, I'm, I'm going to, I just set all the sciencey stuff aside because some of it's a little unbelievable, some of it's slightly believable, but it's, I think, like you said earlier, where, what Lemire said, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I agree with, I think when reading this, you agree, it's not the point. But um, Jeopard's wife was, was pregnant uh, after the apocalypse and they had gotten her at this militia base and she, Jeopard's wife died in childbirth and... What's his name? The uh, militia Abbott. 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 Yeah. Um, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> told. <laughs> yeah. Well, that means he's a good. He's yeah. well written. Yeah. 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 He basically told Jeopardy uh, if he wanted his wife's, you know. Yeah. What he did to Johnny. Remains. He had right. He had to do a job for him. <laughs> um, and Jeopard finds out later that his son was still alive and that it's Buddy. Yeah. Um, who's a little sheep boy. Um. I, you know, every scene with them was hard for me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know? but you could tell that Jeopard accepted his son and wanted to fight for him. But at the same time, there were there were times where he he left. You know, where he didn't. He's like, oh well, Buddy's dead. I think that was like early on. Yeah, when he first and it turned out he wasn't because the other because Abbott sicked his dog dog boys. Pack, dog yeah. boys. So he left them. Twice, basically, like yeah. at the beginning when he thought that his child and his wife were both dead, and then later on it's revealed uh, when he's uh, he's trying to get away with Gus. Uh, you know, um, the little sheep boy is getting attacked by the dogs, and he says, "Dad," you know, and right. and uh, Jeopard freaks out, like, "What did he say? What did he say?" But you know, yeah. he gets dragged uh, and he leaves him because again. I felt like the first the first time he left him intentionally, like he didn't want to accept it. Right, and that, but then by yeah, because I mean later he did, and he was willing to fight for yeah. for his son. Like, what do you, like honestly, what do you expect a man that's gone through all that, like losing his wife and his child? Like, he has to just keep going, you know. Well, and, number one, he has to come to grips with his offspring. Right, is only half human. Right, and he, and the thing is, like when he got um the the bag at the end, uh, like. Kind of uh, the beginning of volume two. Once he did what he had to do with that bag, 
he grabbed the gun and he was going to, you know, kill himself because that's what that's <sighs> what he intended to do. Yeah, he thought he fulfilled his but, purpose. Yeah, but yeah. Th- that was all his uh, what he was living for is just to get that bag. Right. And then it like he realized like, damn it, I still have some. I still have something to do. I care about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this care. That was uh, a gripping page, yeah. too, dude. Like I'm telling you, the end of that issue seven was it was intense, it's man. Depressingly uplifting. Right. <laughs> you know what I love about Jeopard too, though, is he, he's going to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Whatever it takes, yeah. he's going to do what needs to be done. You know, Roger and I had talked a little bit a few weeks ago. Um, there, there's not an extensive Lemire biography out there. Like you can you know, stuff about his life and where he grew up. I, I don't see in looking at his biography, I don't see a lot of tragedy in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm assuming maybe he's just a very empathetic person, but yeah. he mm. understands emotions so well yeah. that, I mean, this book ultimately is a tragedy. It is, it is, yeah. it's a tragedy and it's so well written and the emotions are just so easily accessible to everything and I think a lot of that has to do with his art too because the writing is amazing mm-hmm. but even though as simplistic as the art kind of is I, I don't really like using that term the emotions on characters faces is just so clear you, I think you can't mistake it's it it's minimalistic the art yeah I think it's raw I think right. his art is raw but it's mm-hmm. so expressive yeah, I yeah. it's so that. expressive yeah um, I don't I have I have a number of people that come into the shop and they'll they'll open you know or in the past you know um, if, if I put uh, underwater welder or roughneck or right. or sweet tooth in their hands they look at it and they go no nah, I'm not digging the art right and you know that's something I can't it's very hard to convey to people it's like if you start reading this. You know, you will like you it. will love that art yeah. mm-hmm. because there's there, there's nothing better than a book written by Jeff Lemire and drawn by Jeff yeah. Lemire. Right. When it's both. Because it's, it it, yeah. it just speaks volume. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's so emotive and and it's art and it's and it's prose that um, it, it, I, I think you can't help but like it. Right. Th- this like this book makes me really glad we have Jeff Lemire in the comics industry because it's just it's one of those books that you'll look back on and like oh man I'm so glad I read that because it's, right. it's that amazing of a book y- you have these uh, hybrid kids that kind of look a little freaky like Bobby and Buddy and things like that but he makes you care for them you mm-hmm. know especially with his art style they look honestly they look creepy yeah they they're look a like, little freaky uh, yeah you know yeah. Um, but you know, especially that uh, freaky little bird. The little one. bird boy. Yeah. But what happened to that bird? I was like, no, I literally yeah, screamed. It was and pretty I was horrifying. Like, God, what are you doing to me, Jeff Lemire? You know what's pretty interesting too is not only is he a fantastic writer and a fantastic artist, he's also got some really interesting comic layout ideas. Like, so there were so many issues mm-hmm. where, like the one at the end of volume two, is called the Sing Tapes, mm-hmm. where it's just art on the top and then all the prose is down at the bottom, and yes. it seems weird totally works and then there's issues there's a couple issues through where to like push the story forward um everything's tilted you have to tilt it you know 90 degrees but those, were those, um, i think those were the matt kent issues no those ones no. weren't not the ones that read almost the, like a fable that, oh no i got you right, right. i got you right no the, there's uh, different things that uh jeff lemire does with the layout like you said like the sing tapes on top it's kind of the story of 
uh, Gus's dad, and uh, right. and at the bottom it's Singh kind of l- looking through the, the lab. The diary, yeah. yeah. But I, I love what he does with the layouts because <clears throat> there's one uh, specific uh, page where they're getting ready for war against Abbott, uh, basically towards the end. And at the bottom of the page, they ignite the the, um, the little match to blow up these cars, and the match goes all around the page right. and, and into yeah. the next one. And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, this is just... Jeff Lemire knows how to use all of the pages and right. like in a very constructive and, and thought out way. And he's done that with all of his yeah. books. I mean, I think that you can see evidence of that in mm-hmm. every other graphic novel that he's done, whether in, in Trillium he did several different Yeah, there was things. really weird right. layout um, stuff. In, in Roughneck, you you and I had talked about this before, about his use of color. color right. Roughneck yeah. so good. And so, so good. You... You know, I, th- I think that he he really contemplates how to convey emotions and messages in telling his stories. You know what mm-hmm. you know what would be you know uh, it's not it's not just a nine panel grid or uh, you know splash pages. It's not it's not so formulaic. But he 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 messes around with it, and most of the time he succeeds brilliantly. I think he's a guy that really knows how to execute his vision. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. It, being the fact that, you know, he he can do art himself and do the writing and whatnot, I think that kind of adds to the purity of, like, the feeling you get when you're reading it. Because mm-hmm. he really just, he knows, like, in his head how that's going to play out, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting how specific his vision is like you Mm -hmm. say he executes his vision well but he also has a fantastic vision because he's an incredibly busy guy he's writing books all over the place he must not leave his his desk right yeah yeah but i mean his stories are incredible yeah they're just he he's a master of his craft i think that's all that we can really say is like he knows comics inside and right you know he he uses everything to the the full extent uh of what he can do is it's just breathtaking because you look at this and like oh almost nobody's doing this you know only like people like matt kent who has a very similar art style mm-hmm. only people like jonathan hickman and and some others like they're using the full page they're doing things that most uh, comic writers and artists aren't doing you know you look at uh the dc books the the marvel books they're you know they're they're good stories but they're not um, they're not breaking the norm, you know. Right. And I would say I wanted to follow up. That Matt Kent's been mentioned twice now. Um, his two, it, it was two issues, three. right? That he three taxidermist. Well, you know, it, it was, was the, the the taxidermist. There was a three issue thing, but then there was also in volume two when they got to know um, Lucy and Becky. What was the third character's name? I can't. The the other prostitute. What was her name? I can't remember. But anyways, when they did flashbacks on their, like, history, there was other artists in there, and Matt Kent was one of them okay. mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's because they had done, they had done uh, you know, a couple of flashback uh, sequences in this, I think, entire issues and then another mm-hmm. partial, um, where they brought Matt Kent uh, to come in and do the art. And it, it was really funny because I, I didn't even realize it when, it when I was reading it. It just like going to yeah. that flashback i didn't because they have they, ha- they have they have a similar art style but yet it's completely different right you know i mean you can you can turn from one page to the other and you can say yeah that's rem- remarkably yeah. different but they they're similar similar enough their line work is similar it, 
Yeah. It flowed, yeah. you know, in this book and going into the past, looking at it as like, you know, uh, you know, remembrances of, of what had, had happened in the past. It, it flowed so well. Right. And I, I love those two issues. And I actually think it was really important that they did that. And I think, uh, Jeff was talking about because he was really saddled with work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because it, it, it's also uh, there for story purposes because it's kind of in the past. I was like halfway through the first issue of the taxidermist and I was like, this looks like mind management, which is right. written and drawn by Matt Kent. And I, I go back, I was like, oh, it is Matt Kent. I'm dumb. You know, because I thought uh, I was like, oh, Jeff Lemire changed his art style a bit. It kind of to seem like Matt Kent. But they're no. both guys that like to do, you know, the watercolor right. styling, you know, or, scratchy. Or Matt Kent yeah. is more like colored pencils and yeah. stuff. Right. But it's, yeah, it's Multi- really cool. All other forms of media, like multimedia style. The thing art. is, it works in this yeah. book. It, yeah. it just, everything about this book works. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was something that you said you wanted to go to um, sing? sing. Sing. Yeah. yeah. One of. I, I don't have many many nitpicks with this story at all. It's so darn good, uh, beginning to end, um, and it, it it has you emotionally invested from the first issue to the last. Um, the one the one issue that I had with it though, and I wanted to get you guys' opinion on it. I don't think uh, Sing is you have this this um, physician who was with the the militia group who was he was one of the doctors trying to figure out the cure and he was also delivering the babies and kind of you know um, yes uh and at the behest of of abbott but he was he's kind of a bad guy but after they get out of the militia he go he he comes to the conclusion that he's on some kind of a spiritual vision quest vision quest that's a great way to put it right because uh, he gets a hold of gus's dad's writings i believe right and he's reading like yeah. it's his bible essentially yeah. strangely prof- prophetic he thinks he's a prophet right. yeah. he thinks yeah. he is but Singh is one of the last guys left when most all of the other humans are dead and Singh is still around, and and Lemire talks again in the in the, in the afterwards about um, oh, I didn't read those. the importance of Singh, okay, and him being around at the end. And I was like, I never really fully bought into that. I wanted the yeah. guy to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was kind of. A, I think he's very important because he he like he said at the end he is there to teach, and I think. You know, it, it whether call it science or an act of God, I think it, it kind of was part of both, you know, where, uh, you know, uh, the, the was it the meek will inherit the world, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, animals uh, with the food chain and all that stuff. And, and I think Singh is very important uh, to be at the end because he needs to teach them be- because uh, these hybrids are... Um, you know, m- men and uh, the animals, wh- whether they're the best of men and animals or the worst of men and animals, they're they're very alike. But they're they at the end are inheriting the world. And sure, Singh did live a long life, but I think he had a purpose, and I think that was to teach them. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I never was able to reconcile that. Mm. 
I saw him. I mean, he made a a, a pretty wide swing from, you know, scientist right. to fanatic, yeah, religious, religious zealot, fanatic, yeah. You know, well, uh, I mean, and yeah. and to the end, I mean, I. So I don't know. Is that the sage at the it's end? It's the one thing that it, it's the one thing that really bothered me at the end of this story when you've got you've got the village that's made up of mostly hybrids, you know. Um, Which we should say, sing. like at the end, you know, Gus has grown up and matured into this. You know, you get Gus's full life cycle in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's great about it too is, I don't know how Very. you guys feel, but. Gus ended up with the best qualities of everyone around him. Yeah. Yep. He I think he so. he incorporated all the best qualities of Jeopard, of Lucy, of Becky, of Bobby. It all became part of his personality. So he was just like the culmination of all the good things of yeah. all Which of is that what group. Made of sing? Like, well, maybe not sing. I, no, didn't, I, th- I didn't say no, sing. No, no, no. Who, who no, no, no. Gus, Gus, Gus. Oh, okay, Gus. okay. I, I, gotcha. I think th- that's also, it goes back to the religious thing a little bit where he is kind of like the savior and the, the most perfect of uh, the man and the animals and the hybrids. He is the, the, the complete uh, perfect picture. You know, I think that's what Jeff Lemire wanted to, uh, Gus to be, to mm-hmm. be like this, this well, person. Gus is one thing, sing is another. Right. Did yeah. I say sing? Yeah. I didn't mean to no, say no, 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 oh, no. On the subject no. Sings yeah. a dirt back and should have died earlier, but I think he has. A, I think he has a purpose. So why? Okay, so I mean, I think we're almost all in agreement with that about Sing, right? Yeah. I, he, why his storyline went on too long? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't care about him after the the point where he tried to kidnap Gus. Like that's and where his storyline should have yeah. ended at that yeah. point. To he, me, at yeah, least. with with a bolt through the through the brow. <laughs> I think he, I think he was yeah, I think he was just important for you know like I said to because who is really going to teach them you know and he was the Gus. most but the thing is Gus didn't really know anything about uh, all this science stuff like sure he kn- knew how to uh, fix you know cuts and and breaks and things like that but I think. I, I don't think that Singh I, it's deserved. Not so much, it's not so much that Singh, you know, didn't deserve or whatever. It, it's just the fact that he was untrustworthy the whole time. Yeah. So why would all the hybrids just trust him? And why would he go from being this fanatic to being and wanting to like, I'm all, I have to take you here and we have to go through this whole thing to just being cool. Like, I guess I'll just sit and tell stories to the animals. Yeah. Like yeah. it was a, it's a strange and look, I'm not Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire can put him wherever he wants, and yeah. you know I'm cool. Like because the man clearly knew more about his own story than I do. So, but yeah, Singh was Singh was one of those guys where I just you know you you kind of hate him once you get to the end of the book. Not as much as Abbott, but right. yeah. So, oh, what did he do to Johnny? Well, I'm so upset. His yeah, but brother. I. I in the end, I mean, I, you know, because I was kind of left with, a, well, I guess that even, you know, at the end of a happy story or or a good story or the end of the world, you know, however you want to look at it, that you're going to end up, there are going to be people there that might not deserve it. Did you just dab while you sneezed? He did. <laughs> that he was. Did. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I, but... want, I, I wish, because. Right now, I feel like I'm. It was like I, automatic, like he's practicing. From our Justice League review, it's like I'm I wanted to be Superman with Flash while he's dabbing and just like smack him. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, before he could finish the dab. Yeah. But anyway, 
Um, yeah, but I think, you know, I, that I think that there are people, you know, look, I mean, they're, uh, look, yesterday, Charles Manson died. Heck yeah. Okay. Burning hell. Uh, <laughs> how that, I, I'm the same way. I'm like, you know, but we don't, we don't necessarily get to pick and choose that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's part of fate. There are people, there are people that will be in your lives. There will be people in the world that, that you're like, why are these people here? Why are these people still here? Um, but you don't get to choose that. And the thing is, is that maybe there's, like you said, Johnny, there's something to learn from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and this guy, the science, the medicine, the stuff like that, maybe he's serving a different purpose than something that you're willing to really accept. You know, uh, I still don't know what Charles Manson's purpose was. But, <laughs> yeah. But you might be stretching hey, on that one. That. What not to do. So, How yeah. not to be. Yeah. I think this book just showed like almost everyone has a purpose, you know, whether it's Jeopard or Johnny or uh, Bobby, Buddy or any of the, the good guys. Abbott. And he, has an inherent sense of dignity. Right. Despite yeah. being a hybrid or a normal human. Right. I think it just shows, like, seeing at the end uh, with the hybrids, I think it just shows, like, the hybrids are probably better than man. That they're uh, allowed to, you know, uh, forgive uh, this person who did horrifying, uh, you know, things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's that's I don't know if I would say better than, but they learned from. Right. Well, I think that they're inherently innocent. And the thing, going back to Abbott, that's where you see what, you know, that that, basically Abbott, uh, you know, just adulterated his kids you know i mean he made them into something vicious uh that he that he used against other hybrids other humans and that was i mean that was just uh, you know that was horrible but you know also like jeff lemire also showed that the hybrids aren't all uh, perfect as well with buddy being angry because he was in captivity this whole time and waging war against the humans uh, but but and, it makes sense for that character right. too. Yeah, like everybody, like I said, everybody has a purpose, and Singh might not have the best purpose, but it uh, it's a purpose nonetheless. Yeah, I think you can say that about Lemire's writing, though. It's very purposeful. Yeah, there's a purpose behind everything he did. You might not agree with it. I don't necessarily buy the whole like humanity deserves to die kind of conclusion that he came to. Not yet. But it's still a fantastic story. Right. Uh, real quick, the last issue. The where just the repetition of this is a story. Yeah. This is a story. This is. Oh a story. my god! It, it was so beautifully written. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. beautifully written. I know it, it's poetic. I it, mean, it, for me, yeah, it was it's almost like, more poetry than prose. It's like yeah. day tripper. You know, you get when you get into yeah. this this where the writer, you know, uh, gives you a cadence, you know, to the writing that mm-hmm. that you you kind of follow and it it it. it um, it's almost like a lullaby, you know, when you read this, it's like you can't, I mean, it just pulls you in. And I loved, I loved what he did at yeah. the end there. And he, I would think that that last issue was in his head for a long time yeah. and that it, it, it flowed really easily. I bet he wrote that last issue very quickly. Yeah. Like, I think aspiring writers would read this and be like, damn it, Jeff. <laughs> you know, I can't do this. Uh, like, I think... Everybody listening should try to do this uh, trivia thing because this whole set is just a treasure. It's a gift. It, it First of all, is. thank you, Roger, for for even offering up a prize like yeah, this. Like, I'll say thank uh, you on behalf of everybody that's listening because <laughs> that is that is not yeah 
this is this is worth some money, people, and you're yeah. you're letting it go for a couple of measly answers. It's ninety nine dollars so, after tax. Yeah. So, because these are nice hardcovers, and this is a story worth reading. Yeah. Probably worth reading more than once. Yeah, yeah this definitely. is a story I'll come back to. It makes me want to just buy those right now. I don't have ninety dollars though. Um. Well, I you know I appreciate that, Jonathan. But it you know it's Thanksgiving, and. That's, I mean, we're not, you know, I can't, I, I can't afford to do this every week, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's Thanksgiving and, you know, for all our listeners out there, all our local listeners, all our listeners Abroad. across the country, all our listeners throughout the world, Heck yeah. you know, that, that we have that, that tune in and listen to us, you know, sometimes I just think you're crazy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we enjoy what we do. Um, and it thrills me that, that you guys come along for the ride. And so, you know, to give thanks to you guys listening out there, um, it's nothing. And, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. I hope, I hope we see a hundred responses. Oh yeah. Uh, next week. Everybody has a chance. Um, Any, anybody who gets this set of graphic novels, um, God, I hope they don't hate it. <laughs> I think it's hard you? to. I think it's really yeah. hard to. I mean, it's just, it's weird. You know, it's weird. I'll guarantee you just about, you know, everybody out there who embarks on this story is going to be slightly outside of your wheelhouse. Yep. But you can't. You will take a minute to you acclimate. You cannot be pulled into this world and these characters. Jeff Lemire is just such that great a writer. Yep. Yeah. So an artist. Just. Send in your answers to uh, contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. So, are, are we ready to rate this? Uh, can family? we do it all at once? Do we even need to? Do we, yeah, yeah, do I, we even need to? I know yeah. what I, mine is. Yeah. So, you know, like <laughs> five, right? Five, it's a five. five, five. five. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, ACP five. certified, the whole series. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure there's not any single issue in here that's not a five. I mean, it's. Uh, it's hard to take no, them apart definitely. and dissect them, but it's just, you know, the first graphic novel was that way. The the entire story is that way. I respect the heck out of a guy, uh, Nathan Decker, your sentiments, who has an ending for a story and allows it to be what it's going to be, mm-hmm. but to end it and end it appropriately, and I think he did it. Yeah, 40 issues. Is it 40 all, all yeah. the way across? Yeah. All winners. Uh, cool. Bobby, Bobby, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to read through a very uh, short list of previews for next week. It's a fifth Wednesday. I know there's more than this. These are just some highlights. Uh, from Marvel, we have America number nine, Jean Grey number nine, Spider Gwen number 26, Star Wars Poe Dameron 21, X Men Blue number 16. From DC, we have Aquaman annual number one, yes. Batman annual number two. Johnny needs to learn to spell annual. I can't let it go. I'm I sorry. I told you <laughs> that I missed an N and you still called me out. Uh, on it. I know. You did tell me. I'm sorry. I, it's just it's staring me in the face. Yeah, I know. Uh, Green Arrow annual number one. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number 33. Injustice annual number one. Uh, Indies. Uh, we've got Motor Crush number eight and Spawn number 280. Trade paperbacks. We've got Superman volume four, Black Dawn. Uh, and we have Secret Empire, Brave New World trade paperback. This is not the complete list. If you want that, go to uh, risingcomics.com slash, uh, slash all-star comics podcast. <laughs> you know, risingcomics.com, click on the new releases tab. It's updated every Monday. Uh, what are we reviewing next week? Or what we? I, I don't know. You know, the whole reason, because I, I, I forgot to look back and see if Teresa had, had responded to me. We don't get our invoices until Wednesday morning. Right. So, again, the Tuesday kind of threw everything out of, out of whack. I don't have... 
because I don't consider it confirm, confirm until they ask me for money. Yeah. And when I have to pay them, then I'm like, okay, well, we must be getting these books. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll know tomorrow. But uh, most of the stuff that's that's on that list, uh, we will be getting. Okay, cool. Do we know what graphic novel we're reviewing? Tony Next week? Yes. He didn't put anything. So I'm going to say Giant Days. I don't think he's still here, is he? Oh, snap. No, Tony's in Texas. Yeah, oh. In Texas. So next week is going to be a big surprise. Yes. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'll pick. Um, but we had, pull, we had pulled, uh, no, too big. Dang. Um, I had set a few books aside. Issues. One of them, tush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the easiest and best one right off the top of my head uh, is Mouse Guard. Mm. But um, there were a few others that I had set aside to uh, for some of the the, the guys that hadn't picked yet. Um, so we'll see. But whatever it is, it'll be awesome. We got hopefully, Mouse Guard, Mouse, Wonder Woman. Mouse is going to be a little bit later um, because I think we are going to do the complete Mouse. It's only two volumes, so it's yeah, not, but it's not huge, dude. But, but it's, it's worth it. You got to finish it's the story. Dense. But I've read yeah. the whole thing, but oh, it's it's. Oof. But the ending is where yeah, it just brings ending, it all together. Yeah, is where it still. It's hurts. a beautiful story. <laughs> it does, but I mean, the story's got to hurt like yeah. that. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, okay, so to be determined on everything next week. <laughs> everything, yeah. everything. It's a Tuesday, including the guests. Yeah, it's a Tuesday right now, and it messed us up. Um, did we have any news, Matt? The one thing I saw that was announced today that uh, Marvel Legacy starting in January is going to start putting post-credit scenes in their books starring uh. Wolverine. And that's going to be starting Captain America 697, The Mighty Thor 703, and Amazing Spider-Man 794. Wait, what? So, yeah. Post-credit scenes in Post the comics? Post-credit scenes in the comics involving Wolverine with the Infinity Gem from Legacy So a scene backup story, what yeah. we normally call. It's going to be maybe one page, maybe. Two page? I don't know. But I don't wait, know. they're all going to deal with Wolverine and the Infinity Stone, but be scattered as, across different books? As of right now, yes. You can tell this is news to me, and I'm not happy. <laughs> I, th I thought Marvel was starting to get things turned around, but yeah. did we do, we mentioned last week about, uh, no, no Axel Alonso. Right. No, that's Getting news. fired. Yeah. Uh, Good riddance. Fired? He's gone. Let's put it gone. that way. Yeah. I, I think he was asked to leave. Mm. Uh, and CB Sabolsky um, yeah. uh, yeah. is is coming in as editor in chief. He has Kevin Grievous's uh, endorsement. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I don't know who that is. So well, he works in the industry. Johnny Kevin Grievous, dude. Oh, did he Underworld. do the Amazon? Yeah. Thing? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. I know him. He has a deep Rider, voice, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't even do it. I know. The voice of a thousand men. The voice of a thousand men. That's a grandpa. Don't ever do that again. Yeah. Um, dear God. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> just, can we just take a All moment right. and acknowledge how bad that was? <laughs> I can't no. do a deep voice. Sue me. That um, is interesting, though, because, like, uh, big moves going on in Marvel editorial, big moves going on in DC let's editorial. Let's hope he puts like, the kibosh on the post-credit thing. Because that's well, stupid. no, that the post credit thing was announced today. I think that's already, yeah. Again, I hate, I hate them, kind of making the comics after the movies, and yeah. you know, it it bothers me. Teresa and I were Teresa and I were talking um, yesterday, and right now, I mean, our shop for for at least the last year has been struggling. There are a lot of shops that go out of business, um, 
and I mean, I take full responsibility for that. But at, at the end of the day, there are also other factors that come into play. Uh, one of them being Marvel's really bad management of of their books, uh, because most of our decline in sales are attributable to Marvel directly. Um, we also have uh, digital comics that I think you know each each year they continue to kind of cut into the physical comics uh, that we sell. But I also think that. Um, one of the things that Teresa and I were talking about was the fact that I think that a lot of people now are relying on movies for their uh, nerd fix, you know, that, you know, why, and especially if, if the Marvel comics are bad, why do I need to, you know, um, read those when I can get four movies a year? I can, I can get, you know, TV shows, uh, Netflix series on demand, all because this stuff. Because this is the source material and, and eventually then also, it's going to get to that. And then you also have, oh, no, I mean, I agree with that. But I think that a lot of people are really trying to, like, I don't need the comics and graphic novels anymore because I can, I get so much of it on TV. Another way to look at it is, is uh, superhero burnout, Mm -hmm. okay, that you get, you get so much stuff in media. You get, you get probably 10 movies a year now that are comic related. You get, um, endless tv series uh and video games and all the stuff that's comic related so if if that need for people is being fulfilled then why go and and read the stories but i would i would say to anybody it's it's books like what we read tonight you know sweet tooth Mm -hmm. is never going to get made into a movie it's not going to be made into a tv series series or anything i'll guarantee it although it would be amazing if they could pull it off if they could, yeah. I would hate for them to ruin it, though. Yeah, that's I, the other side. Right? Because yeah. you know somebody's going to have some notes that they want to go in and change. Um, and there are also, you know, there are also uh, Marvel stories that are, you know, much better than, than what they do in the movies. And I love their movies, don't get me wrong. They're DC stories. They're, they're all these stories in the graphic media. I'm a fan of the art and the stories. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a real magic that comes from from the marriage of these two mediums that when, when the writing is on point, the art's on point, when it comes together, whether it's the same artist like in this series or, or a collaboration that is, is really, really magical. And, um, so I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you guys, uh, hanging in with the the comics and graphic novels. I have no idea where I was going with this. <laughs> well, you were saying you had a problem but, with Marvel and declining in sales. You were in trees. Yeah, talking. well, and that's the thing. It, yeah. But it all came around to the movies. I think most people are getting their fix of movies. But I'll guarantee you, you'll the get you'll better. get you'll get as yeah. much or more satisfaction and enjoyment out of the books than you would uh, any any movie. Right. I'll shut up. The book is better than the movie always. Every time. Always. Yeah. Every time. Is that a wrap? Uh, we're, uh, is Where are we at? Wrap? I'm uh, just double have... checking on news real quick. Yeah, double check some news and uh, reviews if you can. Yeah. Oh, um, that all came about because of the the post credit scenes in the yeah. comics. Yeah. What the heck? Stop with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what does that even mean, though? Like, I know. Right? It's, it's a backup story. It, that's what yeah. it is. If it's I, one page, that's I not remember, a backup story. Uh, that is. Do you guys, it's just a one page backup story. Yeah, no. Do you guys remember? I think we read a book where. Um, I think it was an indie book or something where after the letters page, we had another page of story. I think it was like Daredevil or something like that. It That's basically how it felt. 
Well, they they missed by a mile on the the primer pages for all the legacy yeah. stories. I don't, you know, maybe maybe, maybe they'll, they'll do the post credits at the beginning. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god! All the news I see is like, oh, Justice League, Punisher, Runaways. Like none of that. Matters. Oh right, yeah, Runaways okay. just came out it's today. TV and movies. Yeah. 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 Let's go. What else we got? Let's wrap this up and go to Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Um. Do we have any questions? I'm checking. Did you check and see if you had any questions? Yeah, I thought we had Blake, one. I have Blake? questions, but he didn't send me any. He's here. Yeah, he's shopping. Oh, do you have questions, Blake? Yeah. Um, my first question, guys. Um, is Sweet Tooth your favorite Jeff Lemire series? Lemire? Lemire. Um, I went a? to public school, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> okay, that's my first question. Favorite series? Oh. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. But I'm going to say yeah. Okay. I mean, Underwater Welder though. Underwater Welder is mean, really Roughneck's good. Roughneck's fantastic. Roughneck Roughneck resonates with me on a on a different different level. level. Same here. You know. Yeah. Uh, same here. I Sweet Tooth might be my favorite because of Jeopard. Is Roughneck because you have terrible skin? No. Okay. Roughneck's cuz I love hockey. I like I like there was hockey in Sweet Tooth. There was hockey in Sweet Tooth. Yeah. They were skating on a river. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah, and I you know, I loved I love Trillium and Underwater Welder. Trillium too. was another um, thing. I have and not have read, read Essex, Essex County. County. Essex County is amazing. I need to read so Essex good. County. Yeah. I I really Next time like, you're on. Uh, okay, let's it. do it. That's dense too. Right? It's pretty dense. But you know, Lemire's we not real wordy. Six yeah, so you can get through his stuff pretty quick. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. But his his imagery slows you down. It's like you don't you don't want to read those books fast. You want to kind of soak in every page, right? Um, and for me, it's probably Sweet Tooth. Yeah, Sweet. Yeah, dude. Come point. on. I really like though Descender and his Moon Knight. Those are both super solid. Moon Knight is really yeah. good. Descender's not over, so it's hard for yeah. me to say. It's four trades in though. So Descender's really good. Yeah. I, look, I like his storytelling, but for me, if 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 it's gonna if it's gonna be a Lemire book that's at the top, what about Royal? It's City? gonna be his art around. and his story. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's where he shines. Yeah. yeah, Royal City so Not far is good, though. but the thing is, I want I, right. I really want the completion. Yeah, because that, that, I mean that's essentially the question, right? Which, mm-hmm. hey, in case nobody noticed, Blake's actually here tonight <laughs> asking the questions. Yeah. I, I think, uh, but you know that. That's what I'm basing my answer off of is the yeah. like a complete story, not something that's ongoing mm-hmm. at the moment. I think like if you ask some ask someone that's read all of uh, Jeff Lemire's work, you can say like, oh, what what do you think his best work is, or what do you think his like most prominent work is? I think it's always going to go back to Sweet Tooth. I don't know. It's yeah, I, I, don't gonna, know. I think it's that's hard for me because mm-hmm. his Animal Man run, Animal Man's oh, was. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep, that oh. was the last issue. I think he illustrated. Huh. Blaine praises that animal. I don't remember. Animal his Man's his Animal Man know. run is dark and twisted yeah. and yeah. weird. He was yeah. dying, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. But, yeah. You know, I'm excited that he's coming to D.C. Dude, but the Terrific the s- is going to be awesome. At the same time, I love when he's telling his stories. I agree. Well, he, they, yeah. they're still allowing him to do that. Yeah, that's, that's not true. Changing. Yeah. That's my second question. Okay. Okay. Second question. This is a Jeff-centric, because I'm not going to say his last name again. Questions. <laughs> having said that, I him do. having the upcoming Terrifics, since he's a walker of both worlds, essentially, because he still have Marvel books, correct? I think, uh, he's, I think he's, he's done. done. He's done. Yeah. After he's not Thanos. exclusive, I think so, but he's right? just 
going to DC. Yeah, he's going yeah. to DC. Okay, so. what was the one character in Marvel you wanted to see him get to write, and Ooh. what's the one character in DC that you want to see him write besides Rogers the Terrific? Yeah, it's not a character; it's a team. I wanted him to write Fantastic Four. He wanted Marvel to write was it. too short-sighted to completely see agree. that and give it and give it to Chip Zdarsky, whatever. I don't, <laughs> yeah. and I, I don't. I mean, Fantastic Four has book hasn't been announced. I don't know that Zadarsky be writing it, but if you're not going to let Jeff Lemire write that book, then whatever. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Because well, I mean, and the thing, kudos to DC for recognizing that, being like, look, come over here, put we got this, you, right? Together, the same team, we got you. Write that story. Yeah, we got you. And he was like, cool, because that's what the Trivix is. It's well, DC knows that he'll he'll elevate D-list characters yeah. to to A and B list. You know, look at that team it's by the strength of his writing, Mister Terrific. Yep. It's Fangirl, Plastic Man, and Element Man. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Essentially, you have Mr. Fantastic, Sue Storm, Human Torch, and The Thing. Yeah. In personality. Yeah. Not necessarily in powers. I don't care anything. Like... I'm looking and, forward and, to that. No, book. I don't care any amount about these characters, but since it's Jeff Lemire, and I was like, <laughs> it's oh, I do. Team. Plastic Man? Yeah. That goes back way, like a long way with me. I am all about Plastic Man. The, the I closest, cannot the wait. Yes. The closest I've gotten to Hannah Plastic Barbera? Man yep. is I sat on a bench, you know, uh, painted like him. That's oh, it. God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We got to wrap this yep. up yep. and get yep. on to Doomsday, to Doomsday Clock. Okay. That's the only questions we had anyway. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm under the Thanks, Balake. Guys, thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe, like, and share. Uh, leave us a review. I'm not even going to check and see if we have we any. Didn't. We didn't. Yeah, I'm whatever. so sad. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, you can uh, subscribe to um, patreon.com slash allstarcomicspodcast. Uh, you get all those little dollar, $3, get to the exclusive content. Uh, to keep up with everything, like Horizon Comics on Facebook, follow at Horizon Comics on the Twitters and the Instagrams. If you want to stalk Johnny, you can stalk him at the johnny 2 x 4 Matt. Hydra 5-5. Myself, St. Jonathan, uh, on the Twitters and the Instagram. Nathan, if you care about that stuff. Uh, I'm on Instagram as at Armin Trout Pipes. That's right. You make a heck of a custom pipe. Yes, he does. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys hit me up, I'll tell you the answer to the Sweet Tooth question, too. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. do that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And stay tuned for Multiversity University coming up. There's a brand new batch of episodes that are going to be coming up, I think, soon. Um, They drop Saturday. Drop Saturday. And then stay tuned for our special crossover episode with Opinioneering coming up right after this in, in your feed on Doomsday Clock specifically. So have a great Thanksgiving, guys. Be nice to each other. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I'm your host, Larry Douglas. Now, last time we talked about the development of modern comic books that took place during the Platinum Age, and we really focused on uh, not the content, but the comic book itself. We focused on things like how the panels were laid out and the experimenting that was done with that until they settled on the type of panel layout that we see today. We talked about how they experimented with different page counts, experimented with different types of covers. A lot of experimentation going on during the Platinum Age that led to the comics that we have today. But a lot of people get the idea that that was all that happened during the Platinum Age, that we developed the way the modern comic book looks. But that's not all that happened. Content was also being developed during the Platinum Age. Now, 
the Platinum Age comics started as reprints of newspaper comic strips. Uh, it started, of course, with the Yellow Kid and McFadden's Flats. Uh, that was a reprint of a comic strip. Again, popularly known as the Yellow Kid, but actually called, uh, actually called McFadden's Flats in the newspaper. Um, and basically, that very first comic book was simply a, a reprint of various Yellow Kid comic strips that had already appeared in newspapers. And this continued throughout a lot of the Platinum Age. Uh, and so you see a lot of different comic books being released, but what they really are are collections of these reprinted comic strips. It would be like if you were to go down to to Barnes & Noble today and buy a book that had, I'm going to pick one of my personal favorite comic strips, Pearls Before Swine, and if you were to go down there and buy a Pearls Before Swine book, that would be a reprint of all of the Pearls Before Swine comic strips that appeared during a certain time period. But... That isn't where it stopped, even though that was where most of the comic books in the Platinum Age got their material. That wasn't where it, they all got it. We now know that in 1929, as, as I have mentioned before, Dell put out a comic called The Funnies, which did contain original material. And they put this out weekly for 36 weeks. Uh, it was a 16-page comic book that was originally sold for $0.10, cents, uh, and this was before the $0.10 cent price became common. I think that the reason they sold it for $0.10 cents is, first of all, because it did come out weekly and also because it had a very small number of pages. Um, now, the thing about the funnies, though, is that we have to admit it wasn't very successful. Uh, by the end of the run, they were actually selling it for $0.05 cents instead of $0.10 cents in an effort to boost sales, and that didn't work either. So eventually, they had to stop publishing it after issue number 36, so it lasted less than nine months. But that wasn't the last comic book of the Platinum Age that had original material. In 1933... There was Detective Dan's Secret Operative Number 48, which was all original. It was sold on the, on the newsstands for $0.10. Cents. This was when the $0.10 cent price was becoming more common. This was, of course, after the start of the Great Depression. And the thing about Detective Dan is uh, it wasn't really that great. It was essentially a Dick Tracy ripoff. Um, and it, was, it ended up being a single shot, uh, a one-shot comic. Uh, it wasn't intended to be a one-shot comic. It was put out by a company called Humor Publishing. And Humor Publishing ended up putting out three different titles and then went bankrupt. So they actually only put out a total of three comic books. And so Detective Dan did not get a second issue. Uh, no fault of his own, just uh, because the company itself didn't last. But again, we see original material uh, being produced in the Platinum Age. And then, of course, the most famous one to produce original material, of course, was New Fun, the big comics magazine, which came out at the end of 1934, but it's usually attributed to 1935 because it had a cover date of February 1935. Now, of course, the thing important about New Fun is that that was where the trend of putting out original material actually begins and then will continue, uh, all, obviously, all the way through today. Um, now, the... Another thing that happened during that time is that they were developing the type of stories that they were going to tell. Um, the early comic books of the Platinum Age simply reprinted a particular comic strip. 
Um, later on, you began to get comics which compiled reprints of a number of different comic strips. Um, that especially became, again, common during the Depression. Um, and you even began to get companies that were putting out comics that did not focus maybe on a particular strip, but a particular character. And I mentioned in that vein Skippy's own book of comics, which we talked about in an earlier episode, really being the first comic book to be about a single character. The other thing, though, that happened during that time is that not only did they begin to focus around particular characters, but they also began focusing around particular genres. In 1936, a company called Centaur Publications began publishing a series of comic books which had a number of different stories in them, but focused on particular types of stories. The three titles they put out were detective picture stories, western picture stories, and funny picture stories. Now, as you might imagine, detective picture stories tended to be stories about detectives and crime and things like that. Western picture stories was a Western-themed comic book. The one that's a little bit odd is funny picture stories, which was actually an adventure strip. There was no humorous strips in there at all. So not really sure why they called it funny picture stories, but nonetheless, that's the title they used. So what happens throughout the Platinum Age is that not only is the physical format of the comic being developed, but so is the content. We start with reprints of single strips. We move through that into um, into reprints focused around a single character. We actually begin to get experimentation with original material, which by the end of the Platinum Age will be what most comic books are. And we even get comics that focus on a particular genre. And so by the time we get to the end of the Platinum Age, the content has really been set up to launch the Golden Age and, of course, the genre that we're most familiar with, and that is the superhero comic. Thank you for listening, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again next time as we continue our discussion of the Platinum Age.